All right. Just firing up the microphone. Haven't recorded in a while. And thought now is a good time to make another episode of the Notepod. I want to do an episode. I've been reading a lot more lately. But I mean, a lot of times before COVID, I would read very quickly, but it was with audiobooks. So it was just, I just had a lot more time with commutes, going to the gym, that sort of thing to finish books. And actually, let me set this timer. So trying to get, I have an 18 minute timer about that. So, and I I didn't outline before this, the idea here is that I'm going to try to do episodes within 25 minutes, just the Pomodoro technique, that kind of period, I think is a good one to aim for. It's a nice contained thing. And I'll just do, say like a minute of an update and I'm I'm rambling already. So it's the, the first minute we'll just be rambling. But yeah, so I've been reading more going through this set of physical books that I have. Once in a while, I'll buy physical books and then not read them. And I buy just tons of books on Kindle and Audible. And the reason I buy so many on Kindle is there's a lot of deals oftentimes. So the books are like $2 or $3. And I'll, yeah, I'll just like buy those and then not read those as well. But past few weeks have been spending time at Central Park various parks and just setting aside an hour to read and it's been a long i feel like it's been pretty long time since i just like sat down and read for a block of time and i forgot that you can get through books faster i I think it is something like you have to like the first 10 minutes of reading feel pretty slow and then once you get into it, it it your focus. Once you can can get past those initial distractions, then you'll read a lot faster. And what I want to do for every book, I want to record an episode. So that's what this is. This is a book called Hackers and Painters by Paul Graham. He is one of the creators of Y Combinator. Y Combinator funds early stage startups. I always forget to, I should have grabbed it on Wikipedia, but yeah, he's so, he's very well known in like the startup world and his essays are very influential and have been through the years and he's kind of seen everything from like 90s he had a success during like the dot-com era sold a company i think viaweb he sold that to yahoo and then that became yahoo shopping and this book is a collection of his essays and all of these i think are available like online but and go check those out so the one essay that I think is probably his most popular is Do Things That Don't Scale. This is just about when you're starting a company, starting a startup, whatever it is. And this is just like a popular phrase now, too, of doing things that are hard at first. Like, I can't, I guess I can't like think of an example right off the top of my head, but it, it is that thing of, let's say, like early on doing like custom recommendations for something. You could try to like write some algorithm or something like that. But do doing things that doesn't that don't scale. Oh, I, I know an, ex- an example. This was from some podcast I listened to. It was with the Insta- one of the Instagram founders. They talked about when they first brought ads into the platform. You you might think it's like this. They put like this automated system together, blah blah blah. But they actually just had like a whiteboard with the schedule, and it had large companies like they were going to run a Banana Republic ad, and they would just manually each day I, I don't know if it's like change the code but it was a very manual process they didn't they would just grab like look at the whiteboard for reference set that ad up 
in code and then do that each day until they were able to figure things out and then eventually automate the scheduling of those ads. And, and that just shows like initially it's this thing that you weren't thinking of like, okay, how are we going to manage? Like once there's like thousands or like millions of advertisements are on the platform and now I'm getting away from the book, but yeah, that's Paul Graham has an essay called do things that don't scale that I think is probably one of the most recommended like posts, blog posts to people doing startups. This book does not have that, I think, because that was kind of a more recent... I think he wrote that within the last decade. And this book was released in the, I think, like 2001 or like early 2000s. And it's interesting because it doesn't mention mobile phones at all, that sort of thing. And I guess the best thing for me to do is probably just like read a quote that I collected some quotes, I'll read them, and then share some thoughts on them. So this first one, he says, Hackers, likewise, can learn to program by looking at good programs, not just at what they do, but at the source code. One of the less publicized benefits of the open source movement is that it has made it easier to learn to program. That's the end of the quote. The great thing here is just... I guess like this podcast is, I'm continuing to figure out like what it's going to be about. It's a, it's a very long process. I know it's been like a few years, but maybe the theme is creativity. So a common thing in creativity, like any, any book on creativity or learning to draw, learning to write, learning these different things is that the initial steps, some people think it's cheating or something to like try to copy there there's definitely like plagiarism this is not to say like plagiarism is not a real thing but the there's a few different like ways to look at this or like a, a few different people who are often referenced so austin cleon has a book called steal like an artist that's one that's pretty commonly referenced and then also like ad- advertisement copy like copywriters from advertising it seems like there's like a long tradition of learning that by hand copy like pen and paper copying old legendary sales letters and then this helps you understand and like do a closer reading of why these advertisements worked really well and then similarly i often think of this exhibition at the met i think it was two years ago three years ago maybe with delacroix i i said that name i don't i'm not really like super familiar with artists but it was this this drawing exhibition he seemed pretty good and he's at the met so i'm i'm guessing he's like a pretty well-known artist and there was this plate you know like the description of what i'm looking at and it had an explanation of the process i think that he used to learn or that he would use to teach others how to do art and it was three steps so the first one is just trace trace over whatever it is that you're whatever style you're trying to learn to make step two is to freehand draw it with the actual thing in front of you like whatever you traced now try to freehand draw it and then once you're comfortable with that then number three is to try to draw it from memory and it's in that process that you just learn things pay pay closer attention to how something is made and that's that's one thing and then i guess there's the other aspect of the copying thing so a general rule i guess is like or i i've heard this phrase of if you copy from one person it's plagiarism but if you copy from a lot of people then that's your own style and of course that's like a little too simplistic but it is this idea that if you pull different elements from different things that you enjoy that you admire and want to be more like and then work those things work aspects of those things into your work over the years they become like a part of your work and then the complete mix of that is your own style and yeah i definitely like like that idea but yeah back to this quote about like 
hackers can learn to program by looking at good programs and their source code. That is like a great thing about programming is that there's just this culture of sharing code and certainly there's like the opposite of like there's proprietary things that are super valuable that they need to protect completely for the business but there's so much so many examples of source code and this is and you can see exactly how something works and that's not like quite available in different disciplines more so now though it is something that as far as like the learning to draw the tracing sort of thing. A couple of YouTube videos I've made, or I think just like one of them, it's just me drawing carnage and it's completely like me just following a video of Jim Lee streaming himself drawing carnage. I think I did one with Omega Red as well. And it's pretty cool, like the end result. Like I definitely would, if I had tried to do this on my own, then this would take forever. Like years probably, like uh, for sure years. I would never like arrive at what I was able to draw, like following along, but it also wasn't really tracing. So kind of, and I don't know that if, if I had traced it either, that I would have got the same result because, because he's streaming his process to get there. I was able to see him switch between pens, switch between like, and just show like, Oh, he uses like, he'll do a technique where he holds like three, I think like ballpoint pens together. And then will draw that to do a certain effect or draw with like these three pens in his knuckles. It, it actually like kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and you're trying to pretend you're Wolverine and then just sort of like do, do that. And it was cool to see that. And then you could see like, this is how the drawing evolves and you see it go from like a, a sketch and then to get the shapes out and then ink. And then anyway, the, it's cool that kind of, it, it, it is kind of like seeing the source code of this finished like ink piece that Jim Lee did that you could you can see the process there and so much of this is just available online now and it's it's amazing so yeah and, and that kind of culture has been in programming for years and years so let me I, I should probably like go to the next quote and I'm always fascinated by like looking at different people's processes and this is why I'm always interested in hearing about how other podcasters put their podcasts together so that someday I could make one that's more entertaining. Here's another quote. This is different. So this is from his essay. This one's online. It's called How You Know. This is not from the book, but I thought I'd... This is one of my favorite things from... Favorite ideas from Paul Graham. He says, for example, reading and experience are usually, usually compiled at the time they happen using the state of your brain at that time. The same book would get compiled differently at different points in your life. What that means, it, which means it is very much worth reading important books multiple times. I always used to get, used to feel some misgivings about rereading books. I unconsciously lumped reading together with work like carpentry, where having to do something again is a sign you did it wrong the first time. That's the end of the quote. This idea has kind of stuck with me too, of just the importance of rereading books and then also listening, like, I try to keep this in mind when other people recommend books or say that like some book didn't resonate with them. This, I think it was with, it's an interview with Tim Ferriss and Derek Sivers, I think, but they are, or maybe Seth Godin, but they're talking about books they enjoyed and then what resonated, what didn't. And a book that Tim Ferriss recommends is The Magic of Thinking Big. I think he says like, 
he'll usually have it on his bookshelf cover out so that he can keep like those concepts in mind and they just discuss this idea of similar to like what Paul Graham says of reading and experience are compiled at the time they happen so it's important to consider the context of someone's life when they're reading a book like when you read a book that taking an extreme example is like your favorite book from elementary school probably would not be your favorite book now but whatever lesson it taught you back then is it's probably like the first time you came across some basic thing like be nice to other people something like that but yeah and and i I try to keep that in mind because and i I liked that conversation from i think i'm pretty sure it was like tim ferris someone told him like oh I, i did read the magic of thinking big and it just didn't like i can't believe you recommend that and and then tim ferris was like oh yeah like i don't even know if i would if it was my first time reading it now. And you'll you'll see this, I think, with different self-development books. I think my hunch is there's a few, like, main topics that are covered. And then if you read a book that's, like, extremely similar to, like, another book that covers exactly the same topic, then you're not going to like the book. So if, if it's something like How to Win Friends and Influence People, that's kind of like the original self-help, self-development book. And then there's, like, modern versions of it. So if you read, like, one of those modern ones first and then read How to Win Friends and Influence People, you think, like, oh, this is not that interesting. It, does, it has, like, a bunch of old examples. Or the opposite. It can happen to you. Like, you read How to Win Friends and Influence People, then you read, like, some modern communication one, and then you think, oh, this is just, like, regurgitating those those different things. But it's all kind of this idea of reading and experience being compiled together and keeping that in mind. But then also, yeah, I guess the, the other part of this quote is just the importance or like the value of rereading books. And I think also like the value of reading books without like retention, as far as like retention goes, that a common argument against audiobooks or even like listening to audiobooks beyond 1x speed is that retention is lower. There's definitely like, if, if you're listening to something at 3x, there's very little, there's certainly, a, there's like a point where it, it does become like, are you actually listening to this at all? Are you paying attention at all? But I could, I could see it definitely like working if you get used to that speed. But I, I, I just think that it is still useful to listen to something read something even if retention's not that high some of the concepts will be compiled with your experiences and you may be able to like apply those concepts in the future and this is definitely different than it's this idea of what do you want out of what you're reading there's this phrase called jobs to be done this is more about it's like a a business framework a product framework of the canonical story is that there was i'll butcher this researchers watched people buying milkshakes at mcdonald's and then eventually they realized the milkshake's job is no longer people aren't hiring the milkshake as a dessert they're hiring it as a full meal and it also helps to distract them while they're driving that yeah it's not just this dessert anymore and as a result of that they made it thicker so that it would last longer and i guess a more modern thing now is with say like netflix or twitch or any of these video services is like oh they're not just competing against other like so netflix is not just competing against other movies the job is not oh i want to watch a movie that's like a very specific thing it's just like oh i want to be under like it's just like enter filling in leisure time 
with something. And then same thing with like Spotify and adding podcasts to the pl- platform. It's like this wider job of I have some time I can listen to audio, not just like music. It's like, okay, so now p- podcasts fit into that as well. And anyway, trying to like pull myself back to this point with reading and it being compiled and wherever you are in your life that different books have different jobs for you. So you hire this book. Is it because you want to be motivated by it? Are you buying this specifically for like specific reference information? This is, there used to be probably when you're learning, actually, this does relate to the, this book, Hackers and Painters. He mentions with programming languages, he loves Lisp, but that books are a great resource when you're learning programming languages. And this was in, again, like this was published in the 2000s. So books were, I'm guessing they're like still popular now, but a lot of front end development stuff has grown in popularity and it, the tooling just evolved, like just turns out, it just gets out of date very, very quickly. But for those older, like at the time of this book, the job for a program, or you had this job, right? Like you're learning, you're trying to learn a programming language. So you hire this book to look for a specific reference material and to be able to look back to that. But then online resources got better. And then it was much... And then also like autocomplete tooling became better. And then this means that the book was not feeling like the book used to be hired for that job now using a book as reference material was not as fast as it was not as effective as like online things where you have like stack overflow just quicker ways to look things up than the book itself and i forget what i was talking about with like the the different rereading so yeah it is this that's right so i think it can be frustrating to if you read a book and then it's not if you read it for like you're hiring the book for the wrong thing so if you're reading something to be entertained and you buy a reference book then that's not going to match up well or if you read something because you want to change a habit and then all it has is a bunch of stories about how like this other person completed a habit and you think it's useless then that's not great but in reality it actually could be a good thing because those stories are stickier and you're able to get that motivation and i think sometimes it's easy to like mistake what you want from the book and it's good to like be i guess like deliberate about that and understand like what what outcome you want from the book if any i've only gone through two quotes and now i'm way over 18 minutes so i guess i'll just do like one last quote to close with and let's see so here we go this is a quote about from this chapter about design and he says moral is key in design i'm surprised people don't talk more about it one of my first drawing teachers told me if you're bored when you're drawing something the drawing will look boring for example suppose you have to draw a building and you decide to draw each brick individually you can do this if you want but if you get bored halfway through and start making the bricks mechanically instead of observing each one the drawing will look worse than if you had merely suggested the bricks that's the end of the quote a lot of what he talks about in Hackers and painters, and I guess like the main metaphor, of like the title or like analogy of the title, is this idea of, of course, like painting being like writing with code. And one of the main things he mentions over and over is that just like he sketches with code. That instead of there's the that idea for like novelist of plotters and what is it plotters and plant versus planners, I think, or just I guess like the idea that you outline first and then you write, or you're someone that 
just writes without outlining, without thinking about the structure first. And there's successful examples of each. And in the programming world, he says there there's argument, or people make the argument that you should write the entire thing out in pseudocode before you actually start coding it. And he says that that can be valid, but it just doesn't, that's not how he works. He enjoys or like finds it more effective and probably, and does find it more enjoyable to just start writing the code, knowing that he can refactor it later. And this is the same thing. Like as long as you have the discipline to actually do the refactoring or do the rewriting of your novel, your essay at the end, then if you have the discipline to do that, you do that a few times and you have the confidence to start out this way where you can just start writing code and you know you can fix that later. And that is this thing of staying, if you want to, again, like if you're bored when you're drawing something, the drawing will look boring. If you're bored doing something, then that can end up in the end result of different things. This is a little different than, I think it also, of course, like depends on the discipline. And something I remember was we had this friend growing up he was like greatest basketball player that we knew and later on in life we all played together and i remember seeing him like still practicing layups and it just seemed like wait you're so good why would you practice these and blah 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 and it was something i never wanted to practice and i'm not good at that's why i'm horrible at basketball and yeah he said like yeah this looks this this is boring but this is like what helps you get better it's it's practicing those boring things so that's definitely like a different thing than this of like creative work where enjoying it during it can also enjoying it while making it can also in some way translate to the end result and it certainly will keep you motivated to continue doing what you're doing so this is again like what outcome do you want do you want to get good at something or do you want to do it for the long haul and have that like intrinsic motivation of actually enjoying the thing you're doing and i'm seeing this is almost gonna approach half an hour so thanks for listening and i guess like my thoughts on that are i've been i took this writing class i'll probably like do a separate episode about that it's this online writing class which is great great community called rite of passage and something that i did remember from it i would like for the assignments i blocked out time to write and like a few hours and i just remembered it just reminded me that when I try to write something long and it involves all these stages of outlining and writing and editing and that I don't know how much I enjoy that whole process. There's probably like value. There, there's definitely a value in doing it and seeking feedback and that kind of thing. But it became, I became, I think like very aware, like this is not as fun as turning the microphone on and just talking. And I, I always find this fun, especially I guess like sometimes I do feel like a little ridiculous when it's a solo episode. So definitely need to do those episodes with Wally again. And I guess I could, I, maybe I could see it that like struggling and like working hard on the writing is not as enjoyable and that might have come out like in the end result that like is this fun to read then i guess a counterpoint to that with writing is that something that's always i've read a lot of interviews of like stand-up or of just like comedians check out judd apatow's sick in the head it's like 50 interviews with different comedians that he did all through his life that's just like another book recommendation one of my favorite books and then it also like reminds me of uh, an interview i think it was with the people from workaholics and someone asked them like oh what what 
it, you must have like real lives if you can like write funny shows and basically you always find out like all these professional comedians just work super hard and writing rooms of the funniest shows are like seem it seems like they're like pretty serious and it just like takes hard work and it's not the most enjoyable process so yeah just to say like it's not only enjoyment that makes for an entertaining thing on the other side and that. But I would say that they certainly aren't bored during the process is what it seems like. So they, they're probably like engaged during that process. So if it might be hard, but as, if it's engaging, then that will help keep it from being boring. So there's that aspect of it. And I've, I've just w- gone over 30 minutes. I'm going to just end this for right now. Check out Hackers and Painters by Paul Graham. Great book of essays. Actually check out his online essays and if you like those then you'll also like this book or you can like just read all the essays online anyway thanks a lot this is the note pod this is episode this is number six still gonna schedule some time with wally bring active recall back better than ever thank you